Welcome to Season 1 of The Happiness Show, your valued resource on how to live successfully on the love path. Here's your love path mentor, Julia Thornborough. Rewriting your health story from problematic patterns to empowered choices. Hi, this is Julia Thornborough, your host. Welcome to The Happiness Show, where I will show you how you can live an extraordinary life on the love path and leave the fear path behind. This show will give you time-saving tips on how you can do just that. Now, if you like what you hear and feel you have learned something, hit the subscribe button. That way you won't miss a single episode. Share the episode with one other person. It's the best way to help the show and help me reach more people. Rewriting your health story from problematic patterns to empowered choices. By the end of this episode, you will know how your actions will put you onto the health solution track and the consequences if you don't. Now in today's episode, I am focusing on the qualities of respect and disrespect as it relates to your food and drink choices. The love path puts you on target for being a part of the health solution where you are being mindful of what goes into your body. The fear path puts you onto the road of health stagnation because you have little interest in making changes to better your health. So let's get started and see how your food and drink choices can have a profound impact on your health, physically, mentally, and emotionally. In other words, are you showing your body respect or disrespect by the kinds of food and drink choices you make? Now, in today's episode, I am covering obesity. And if you're wondering how I'm linking obesity with being on either the love path or fear path, here's the backstory. Several years ago, a body's exhibit was circulating the country and was shown in most major Mosey museums in the country. Here in Tampa, we had the body's exhibit. It was a series of how, from head to toe, human slices of the body were showcased. In each slice, in each presentation, it showed the interconnecting synergy of how every aspect of our body works and how everything works in harmony if we treat our bodies right. I found what I discovered to be utterly amazing. And I was so enthralled with what I discovered that I actually went to see the exhibit four times. And I came away with the conclusion that our bodies 
are really like a scientific work of art. Now, just as we have the museums of science, like Mosey, its counterpart becomes the art museum. In an art museum, this is where you're going to find such amazing pieces as the Statue of David in Florence or the Mona Lisa in Paris. Or you're going to see Pablo Picasso's Guernica in Madrid. In any of these museums, would it ever occur to you to slash the canvas or slash the sculpture? Would it ever occur to you to do that, to show that kind of disrespect to such amazing works of art? Probably not. So if you wouldn't disrespect the works of art that you see in museums, why then are you showing disrespect for your body by the choices that you make for food and drink? Now, before I go into the disrespect, respect aspects of the food and drink choices, I'd like to share with you first what I discovered. In the, at the end of the day, is obesity entirely your fault? And to that I say no. Because in doing research, here is what I discovered. Almost overwhelmingly, with no exception, sugar is the number one culprit that is linked to obesity and the epidemic of diabetes 2 diagnoses. Sugar is the culprit. But besides sugar, here are some other amazing things that I discovered. Did you know that on Capitol Hill, there are sugar lobbyists? Now these sugar lobbyists, I didn't know this, but sugar lobbyists lobby on behalf of the sugar corporations, the ones that manufacture and produce the sodas we drink, the chips, the cookies, the baked goods, all of that. They lobby on their behalf. And they lobby to make sure that nothing negative impacts the bottom line, the profit line for any of these companies. Now, do you think for one minute that these sugar lobbyists are looking out for your health? Absolutely not. No, they are looking out for the bottom line of these sugar corporations to make sure, for example, that no warning labels get put on soft drinks or no additional taxation appears or occurs on soft drinks. They're not working in your behalf. Another factor, another whammy that's working against you is the bombardment of ads. You know, when I was growing up, there weren't ads for triple cheeseburgers, supersized fries, supersized drinks, but you see that everywhere on billboards and magazines. I mean, you can't escape it. Another bombardment are social gatherings. You know, it makes it very easy. If you're going to have people coming over to your house, 
what's an easy thing to serve? Chips, dip, soda, and or beer wine. Very easy. And what do those contain? Sugar. And then, of course, what goes right hand in hand when you're at a sporting event or you're watching a sporting event on TV? Chips, dip, and drink. And then, of course, if you happen to be working on a project and you set aside a bowl of chips or cookies or whatever to munch on, you become mindless of how much you have consumed. And then, of course, we can't forget the emotional and or comfort eating, the kind of eating that you do to make up for all those put-downs that you received. Put-downs, you're so stupid. Why did I have you? You're never going to amount to anything. Comfort eating. Or you've had a very bad day. Or you've received some very bad news. And so you resort to comfort eating. Now, in one of my documentaries that I was watching, there was a boy who was sexually abused. No one knew, and it was by the clergy. No one knew. So to make sure that he reduced his fondness for the clergy to be increasingly sexually abused, he began eating. Today, he's obese. Now, if those factors are working against you, I think it's only fair that we take a look at what the average intake is of sugar. Because the average person in a year's time consumes as many as 375 cans of soda. That equates to seven plus cans a week. That further equates to 20 pounds of sugar in the course of one year. 20 pounds. Now what I'd like for you to do so that you really capture the impact of 20 pounds is I would like for you to go to a sporting goods store and I would like for you to pick up two 10-pound weights. They're heavy, aren't they? Yeah. And then if you multiply that times how many 10s you are overweight, it becomes even more heavy. But besides just picking them up in the store, I would like you also to buy them. And I'll explain why I'm asking you to do that and I will share that later in the episode. And also, as another quick point of reference, a smaller reference, one can of soda can have as much as 10 teaspoons of sugar. 10 teaspoons. Now, with that kind of sugar intake, what kind of damage is that doing to your body? It's profound. I mean, it's damaging your kidney function. It puts even more stress on the blood vessels that lead to your brain, which can pave the way for a stroke. It increases damage to your heart. In all likelihood, you are going to reduce your lifespan by 10 to 15 years. 
And diabetes is an absolute offshoot of all the sugar that you are taking in. When I was a sales rep for a medical publishing house, I was at a diabetes convention. And during the downtime when they were in session, I perused some of the books. Well, one was written totally on the diabetic foot. I have to tell you, the pictures that were in this book were graphic, they were gross, and I work also as a caregiver, and with one of the patients or clients, one of her toes had to be amputated because of diabetes. I mean, it's horrific what diabetes can do, and those people that work heavily in the field of diabetes researching its impact and so on, feel that it's the sugar intake that is going to be more likely to kill you than what happens on the street. What happens on the street. And the death worldwide with diabetes is profound. But so if you're drinking soda and you think, well, okay, you know what, I'll stop drinking Regular soda, I'll just switch to diet soda. That's okay, right? Actually, diet soda probably does more harm for you than regular. Both are bad. Both are bad. But in diet sodas, the artificial sugars are saccharin and aspartame. They're the ones that are the most popular. Now, the downside to these artificial sugars is that it impairs and disrupts your gut health. So it makes digesting food and sugar management a challenge. It erodes your teeth enamel and you have teeth erosion. Now I have to tell you, when I was working in corporate America, one of my colleagues had been drinking the very popular diet soda for decades. I mean decades. She was now in her mid-late 50s. Her teeth enamel had eroded, and her, her I mean, she, uh, what she had to go through between the enamel and the teeth erosion was huge to get back to having real teeth. It was a horrific ordeal, but that's what she had to do, and that was the result of decades of drinking diet sodas. Diet drinks can also pave the way for headaches and even migraine headaches. It can also pave the way that you would be at a higher risk for bone fractures. And of course, having more, drinking more diet drinks is going to actually cause you to crave and want more sugar. And of course, it goes without saying that your heart health is impacted. So now that you know who and what are working against you, plus having, hopefully, a better understanding of the sugar's ramification to your health, this is where you come in. Life is always about choices. Always about choices. No one ever has to remain in a rut unless they choose to be so. So this is where you can decide to take charge of your life and take charge of your health. So do you want to continue adding to the bottom line 
of the sugar corporations who produce the drinks and products that are not for your benefit, that are not benefiting your health, or are you in a place where you, as you weigh this over, you want to take a stand? You know what? I am going to now take a stand on my health. I am going to be conscious of my well-being. They both matter. My life matters. And for the first time, I am standing up for me. Now, I want you to remember, you're a consumer. These sugar corporations need you for their bottom line. You do not need them. You, on the other hand, can choose to make other choices. So this is where you have to decide, do you want to become a part of the health solution or are you okay remaining a part of the health stagnation? Now, if you choose to be a part of health stagnation, you don't have to do anything. You can forget everything that you heard in this episode. But if you have decided, on the other hand, that you want to become a part of the health solution, here are some of my recommendations. First, please understand that change does not happen overnight. You cannot snap your finger and say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to be at my ideal weight. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way. Change happens with small, consistent, smart choices. And this is where I would like to encourage you to pick up Darren Hardy's book, The Compound Effect, because that is where he explains very clearly how by making those consistent, daily, smart, small choices that you will have a compound effect. And the thing about the compound effect, it sneaks up on you. Yes, it sneaks up on you, and you don't even know it's happening. For example, a friend of mine decided, all right, I want to do something about my weight. So after about a year and a half, he decided to put on the T-shirt that he was wearing at the beginning. When he did that, a year and a half in, that T-shirt was now hanging close to his knees. Progress had been made. He went, oh my gosh, this is really working. This is, oh, I can't believe this is happening. The second thing is I'd like to encourage you to keep it simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. By keeping it simple, eliminate soda from your daily, weekly regimen. Just get rid of it. Don't drink it. Instead, replace it with water, water with lemon, seltzer, seltzer with flavored. It could be lime. It could be raspberry. It could be whatever. Because none of those replacements have sugar. None of them. Another thing that you could do that I would like to encourage you to pick up is Gary Keller's book, The One Thing. Because here, he he could be encouraging you to say, okay, what is one thing I can remove from my shopping list that is going to impact my health and replace it or rather, the one thing that you could do on your uh, shopping list is to replace what's doing harm to your health and instead replace it with something good. Now, I want to give you a caveat. 
I don't have any connection to either one of the two books that I suggested. I have them both, and I use them both. And I think particularly for this episode, they are profound in giving you a visual and also giving you encouragement to stay the course. Now, I want you to know that I'm not going to give you a complicated, you know, diet, do this, do that. Just simply keep it simple. What is one thing you can do each day to move your life forward health-wise in a very good way? Now, another trick that you could use is imagine that you are an adult who's getting your teeth straightened. Now, if you are an adult and you're in that process, you have to wear what's called a teeth aligner. It's clear. You don't even know a person is wearing one. So every time you have that urge to eat for snacking sake or emotional eating sake or whatever, say, oops, I can't do that. I've got my teeth aligner in. Trick yourself. Now, here is where... I think it's important to address emotional and comfort eating. In other words, don't let your emotions weigh you down. So if you are even thinking about eating for comfort, I would like to encourage you to revisit episode two because that's titled Reclaim Your Self-Worth. You are not your put-downs. Put-downs like, you're a loser. You'll never amount to anything. Why did I have you? Those are put-downs. Examples of put-downs. Instead, remember that what they were doing was simply passing on to you their wounds that had never been healed at the emotional level. And keep in mind that any person who is grounded and centered with themselves and with their life never, ever puts down another person. They don't do it. They simply don't do it. And so now I hope you see that emotional eating doesn't need to happen. It doesn't need to continue because you are not or rather, you are not the result of their put-downs. You're the recipient of their put-downs. So how can you stop the process of emotional comfort eating? Forgiveness. If you are in the process and you find yourself replaying all of those visuals where you were put down, you have hurts, you have wounds, there, there's bitterness, there's anger, then what I would like to encourage you to do is forgive. And in episode three, Forgiveness 101, why you need it, how it works, I would like for you to revisit that episode on forgiveness because what it does is it gives you a new perspective of people and life that have come into your life. It gives you the freedom to live in the present, not the past. It removes you from the prison of angst, bitterness, and hurt. 
it's a game changer. That's all I can say. Is it a challenge? Yes, because you do have to surrender your ego. But I would encourage you to go back to Forgiveness 101, Episode 3, because in there I explain how it works. Now, as you begin your journey toward health empowerment, I want to remind you that you are one awesome individual. And to help you stay the course, I would like to encourage you to be reminded of this 10-point cheer. You blaze a trail. You benefit others. You yield results. You're focused. You take action. You kick the habit. You have verve. You commit to change. You let go of the past. And you're mindful of your choices. Now, along with making smart food and drink choices, we cannot forget about exercise. And yes, I have actually said the E word because they both go hand in hand. And here's what exercise can do for you. Exercise releases endorphins in your brain. And they become like little messengers that go throughout your entire body to improve your mood, reduce stress, and relieve pain. Your cognitive function also improves. It enhances your memory and problem-solving skills. Exercise enhances your cardiovascular health. And physically, your body composition changes. For example, I've said earlier that I'm also a caregiver, and with one of the clients, Beatrice, she was at a 4X, and she decided that she wanted to get organic food, and she found a source where she could get it discounted, and it was organic, and it would be delivered to her door, and she began eating organically. Now, exercise for her was going from her apartment door to the mailbox and back. She also had a chihuahua. She's no longer a client of mine. That's why I used had. She has a, um, a, a chihuahua that she walks a little bit beyond the mailbox and back several times a day. That was her exercise. By the time I finished seeing her, which I would say was a matter of a year, she had gone from a 4X to a 3X. When that happened, the beam that crossed her face in the form of a smile was huge. The next visit that I saw her, she was wearing a pair of shorts. Not a tent dress, a pair of shorts. That is what the impact of change had on her. It was huge. The other thing that exercise does is it creates disease prevention. It reduces blood pressure, inflammation, heart disease, and in some cases, even cancer. It strengthens your bone health. And it also enhances your longevity for life. Now, if you're thinking, oh boy, okay, do I really have to do this thing called exercise? I want you to go back 
to the 10-pound weights that I ask you to buy. And every time you challenge yourself, think, do I really have to exercise? I want you to pick up those two 10-pound weights. And daily, I want you to be reminded of the added stress you are putting on every single part of your body. I, I just can't let you overlook that. And, and, you know, pick them up every day if you have to. Now, as a final wrap-up, now I've done no market research on this, but I know that there often can be a stigma to anyone who is obese. So I don't know if there would be a market for gyms that cater to obesity, but it could be a good start where people can come together for support and to share tips of what's working for them. Now, guys, I have to tell you that by taking steps in this direction, you could be at the start of a health solution. And if enough of you come on board, it could actually become a health revolution. I mean, can obesity be turned around? I think it can, but it starts with you. It starts with your first steps. It starts with you taking a commitment to being mindful of your body, a commitment that says, you know what, my health matters, my body matters, and I am now going to be mindful of the choices that I make for food and drink. And this done consistently will have a compound effect. And just similar to the example I gave you to the friend who was exercising, tried on the t-shirt he was wearing the very first time he'd made the commitment, you could be finding yourself having that wow moment. How cool would that be? Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Knowing that for the first time, you are giving your body the respect it deserves. Now, I can't end today's episode without letting you know. You are awesome. You are the best. And no one, and I do mean no one, comes any finer than you. Now, if you like what you heard and you feel you've learned something, hit the subscribe button. That way you won't miss a single episode. Share the episode with one other person. I mean, that's the best way you can help the show and help me reach more people. Now, also, I am starting a Facebook page to share tips and success stories. And if you would like to receive a free copy of how to recognize more quickly the Love Path versus Love Path Living, go to my website, juliathornbro.com and claim your free copy. God bless.